The following is the continuation of the introduction to the Bhagavad Gita as it is by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada recorded on February 19, 1966 in New York. Mukti Hitva Anatharupam Sarupena Avastiti Sarupena Avastiti Mukti means liberation from the contaminated consciousness of this material world and to become situated in pure consciousness. And uh, uh, the whole instruction, instruction of Bhagavad Gita is targeted to awaken that pure consciousness. We will find in the last stage of the instruction of Bhagavad Gita that Krishna is asking Arjuna whether he is now in purified consciousness. Whether he was in purified consciousness. The purified consciousness is to act according to the direction of the Lord. That is purified consciousness. That is the whole summon substance of purified consciousness. Consciousness is uh, already there, but because we are part and parcel, therefore we are uh, affected. Uh, there is affinity of being affected by the material uh, modes. But the Lord being supreme, He is never affected. He is never affected. Uh, that is the difference between the Lord and the Supreme, uh, supreme Lord. And uh, the now this consciousness is what is this consciousness? This consciousness is uh, uh, that I am what I am. When uh, in contaminated consciousness, this I am means that I am the Lord of all I service. This is impure consciousness. And I am the enjoyer. The whole material world is moving that every living being is thinking that I am the uh, Lord and I am the creator of this material world. The, the consciousness has got two psychic movement or uh, two psychic divisions. One is that I am the creator and the other is I am the enjoyer. So uh, the Supreme Lord is actually the creator and he is actually the uh, enjoyer. And the living entity being part and parcel of the Supreme Lord he is not actually the creator or the enjoyer, but he is a cooperator. Just like the whole machine, the part of the machine is a cooperator, is a cooperator. Or if we can study just the constitution of our body. Now, in the body, and, uh, they, uh, there are Hence, there are legs, uh, there are eyes, and all these instruments working. But all these parts and parcels of the body, they are not enjoyer. Uh, the stomach is the enjoyer. Uh, the leg is moving from one place to another. The hand is collecting. The hand is preparing foodstuff, and uh, the teeth is chewing. And everything, all parts of body are engaged in satisfying the stomach because the stomach is the principal fat within the organization of this body and everything should be given to the stomach. Pranopaharatsyajathindriyana. Just like you can see a tree, a grain, by pouring water in the root, 
or you can become healthy. And the parts of the body, the hand, the leg, the eyes, the ears, the fingers, everything keeps in healthy stage when the parts of the body cooperate with the stump. Similarly, the supreme living being, the Lord, He is the enjoyer. He is the enjoyer. And He is the creator. And we, I mean, subordinate living beings, the products of the energy of the Supreme Lord, we are just to cooperate with Him. That cooperation will help. Just uh, for example, a good food stuff taken by the finger, uh, if the finger uh, think that why should we give it to the stomach, let us enjoy it. That is a mistake. The fingers are unable to enjoy. If fingers want the fruit of enjoyment of that particular foodstuff, the fingers must put it into the stomach. So the whole arrangement is that the central figure, central figure of creation, the central figure of enjoyment is the supreme law. And the living entities, uh, they are simply cooperate. By cooperation, by cooperation they enjoy. That is, the relation is just like the master and the servant. If the master is satisfied, if the master is fully satisfied, the servants are automatically satisfied. That is the law. Similarly, the Supreme Lord should be satisfied, although the tendency for becoming a creator and the tendency to enjoy this material world is uh, there also in the living entities, because it is there in the Supreme Lord. He has created, He has created the manifested cosmic world. Therefore, we shall find in this Bhagavad-gītā that the complete whole comprising the supreme controller, the controlled living entities, the cosmic manifestation, the eternal time, and the activities, all of them are completely explained. So the whole thing uh, taking together completely is called the Absolute Truth. The complete whole or the Supreme Absolute Truth is therefore is the complete personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. As we have explained, that the manifestation are due to his different energies, and uh, he is the complete whole. The impersonal Brahman is explained in the Bhagavad-gītā that impersonal Brahma is also subordinate to the complete person, brahmanaham pratiṣṭhā. Impersonal Brahma is also, it is, uh, the impersonal Brahma is a more explicitly explained in the Brahma Sutra, sutra as the uh, race, as there is the race of the sun sign, sun planet. Similarly, uh, the impersonal Brahma is the signing race of the Supreme Brahma or the Supreme Personality of God. Therefore, impersonal Brahma is incomplete realization of the absolute complete whole, and so also the conception of Paramatma. These things are also explained. Purushottam Jo, when we shall read the chapter of Purushottam Jo, it will be seen that the Supreme Personality, Purushottam, 
is above the impersonal Brahma and partial realization of Paramatma. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is called Satchidananda Vigraha. In a Brahma Sanghita, the beginning is started like this. Ishara Parama Krishna Satchidananda Vigraha Anadi Radhi Govinda Sarvakaranakara. Govinda Krishna is the cause of all causes. He is the prime helper. So the Supreme Personality Godhead is Satchitananda Vigraha. Impersonal Brahman realization is the realization of his Sat part, eternity. And Paramatma realization is the realization of Satchit eternal knowledge part realization. But realization of the personality of Godhead as Krishna is realization of all the transcendental features like Sat, Chit and Ananda in complete Vigraha. Vigraha means fog. Vigraha means fog. Abhaktam bhaktimāpannam mannati māvabuddhaya. Uh, people with less intelligence, they consider uh, the Supreme Truth as impersonal. But he is a person, a transcendental person. This is confirmed in all Vedic literature. Nitya, nityanam, chetana, chetanam. So, uh, as we are also persons, individual living beings, we are persons, we have got our individuality. Uh, we are all individuals. Similarly, the Supreme Truth, the Supreme Absolute is also uh, the, the ultimate issue. He is a person. But realization of the personality of Godhead is realization of all the transcendental features like Sat, Chit, and Ananda in complete Vigraha. Vigraha means form. Therefore, the complete whole is not formless. If he is formless or if he is less in any other thing, he cannot be complete whole. The complete whole must have everything within our experience and beyond our experience. Otherwise, he cannot be complete. The complete whole personality of Godhead has immense potencies. Uh, that is also explained in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, how he is acting in different uh, uh, potencies. This phenomenal world or the material world where we are now put is also complete by itself because Purnamidam, the twenty-four elements of which, according to Sankha philosophy, the twenty-four elements of which this material universe is a temporary manifestation are completely adjusted to produce complete things which are necessary for the maintenance and subsistence of this universe. No extraneous effort by any other unit is required for the maintenance of the universe. It has its own time fixed up by the energy of the complete whole, and when the time is complete, these temporary manifestations will be annihilated by the complete arrangement of the complete. There is complete facility for the small complete units, namely the living entities, to realize the complete. And all sorts of incompleteness is experienced on account of incomplete knowledge of the complete. So the Bhagavad-gītā is the complete knowledge of the uh, Vedic wisdom. The whole Vedic knowledge is infallible. The, the, 
there are different examples how we take Vedic knowledge as infallible. As, uh, take for example, so far the Hindus are concerned and how they accept the Vedic knowledge as complete. Uh, uh, here is an uh, insignificant example. Just like uh, the cow dung. The cow dung is the stool of an animal. Uh, according to Smriti or Vedic wisdom, if one touches the stool of an animal, he has to take his bath to purify himself. But in the Vedic scriptures, the cow dung is treated as pure. Rather, impure place or impure things are purified by touch of the cow dung. Now, if one argues how it is that in one place it is said that the stool of the animal is impure, in another place it is said that the cow dung, which is also the stool of an animal, it is pure. So it is contradictory. But actually it may appear to be contradictory, but because it is Vedic injunction, and therefore and for our practical purposes we accept it. And, and by that acceptance we are not committing mistake. It has been found by modern chemists, modern science. One doctor, Lal Mohan Ghosha, he has very minutely analyzed the cow dung and he has found the cow dung is a composition of all antiseptic properties. So similarly he has also analyzed the water of the Ganges out of curiosity. So and my idea is that basic knowledge is complete because it is above all and doubts and all mistakes. And Bhagavad-gītā is the essence of all Vedic knowledge. The Vedic knowledge is therefore infallible. It comes down to the perfect disciplic succession. Therefore, it, Vedic knowledge is, is not a thing of research. Our research work is imperfect because we are searching everything with imperfect senses. Therefore, the result of our research work is also important. It cannot be perfect. We have to accept the perfect knowledge. The perfect knowledge is coming down, as it is stated in the Bhagavad-gītā. Just we have begun. We have to receive the knowledge from the right source in a disciplic succession of spiritual masters beginning from the Lord Himself. So Bhagavad-gītā is spoken by the Lord Himself and Arjuna, the, I mean to say, the student who took lessons of the Bhagavad-gītā, he accepted the whole story as it is without any cutting. That, was, that is also not allowed, that we accept a certain portion of Bhagavad-gītā and reject another portion. That is also not accepted. We must accept the Bhagavad-gītā without interpretation, without any cutting, and without our own whimsical participation in the matter, because it should be taken as the most perfect Vedic knowledge. The Vedic knowledge is received from the transcendental sources because the first word was spoken by the Lord Himself. The word spoken by the Lord is called apogosiya, or not delivered by any person 
of the mundane world who is infected with four principles of imperfectness. A living being of the mundane world has four defective principles of life and their work that he must commit mistakes. Two, he must be sometimes illusion. And three, he must try to cheat others. And four, he is endowed with imperfect senses. With all these four principles of imperfectness, one cannot deliver the perfect form of information in the matter of all-pervading knowledge. The Vedas are not like that. The Vedic knowledge was imparted in the heart of Brahma, the first created living being, and Brahma in his turn disseminated the knowledge to his sons and disciples as they are originally received from the Lord. The Lord being Purna or all-perfect, there is no chance of becoming subjected to the laws of material nature. One should therefore <coughs> be intelligent enough to know that except the Lord, nobody is a proprietor of anything within the universe. That is explained in the Bhagavad Gita. Ahaṁ sarvasya prabhava matya sarvaṁ prabhattati iti matya bhajanti māṁ Buddha bhavo samandita. The Lord is the original creator. He is the creator of Brahma. He is the creator that is also explained. He is the creator of Brahma. In the eleventh chapter, the Lord is addressed as Prapitama because Brahma is addressed as Pitamaha, the grandfather. But he is the creator of the grandfather also. So nobody should claim to be the proprietor of anything, but he must accept things which are set aside by the Lord as his quota of mentality. Now, they, uh, there are many examples how we have to uh, uh, utilize the allotment of, of the Lord, that is also expressed in the uh, uh, Bhagavad-gītā. Uh, the uh, Arjuna, he uh, decided in the beginning that he should not fight. Uh, that was his own contemplation. Arjuna said to the Lord that it was not possible for him to enjoy the kingdom after killing his own kinsmen. And that uh, point of view was due to his uh, conception of the body. Because he was thinking that the uh, body was himself and the body, the relatives, his brothers, his nephews, his father-in-law or his grandfather, they were expansion of his body and he was thinking in that way to satisfy his bodily demands. And the whole thing was spoken by the law just to change the view and he agreed to work under the direction of the Lord, and he says, Kurishi Bachanam Tava. Therefore, in this world, the human being is not meant for quarreling like the cats and dogs. They must be intelligent enough to realize the importance of the human life and refuse and to act like ordinary animal. He should, a human being should realize the aim of human life. This direction is given in all the Vedic literature and the essence is given in the Bhagavad-gītā. The Vedic literature is meant for the human being and not for the cats and dogs. 
The cats and dogs can kill their eatable animals, and for that there is no question of sin or their part. But if a man kills an animal for the satisfaction of his uncontrolled test, he must be responsible for breaking the laws of nature. And the in the Bhagavad Gita it is clearly explained that there are three kinds of activities according to the different modes of nature. The activities of goodness, the activities of passion, the activities of ignorance. Similarly, there are three kinds of eatables also, eatables in goodness, eatables on passion, eatables on ignorance. They are all clearly described. And if we properly utilize the instructions of the Bhagavad Gita, then our whole life will become purified and ultimately we shall be able to reach the destination. That information is given in the Bhagavad Gita. That beyond this spiritual material sky, there is another spiritual sky that is called Sanatana sky. In this sky, this covered sky, we find everything temporary. It is manifested. It stays for some time, gives us some byproduct, and then it becomes dwindling and then vanishes. That is the law of this material world. You take this body, you take a fruit or anything what is created here, it has got its annihilation at the end. So beyond this temporary world, there is another world for which the information is there. The parastatmātubhāvahanyā, there is another nature uh, which is uh, eternal, sanāt, which is eternal. And the jīva, uh, jīva is um, also described as sanātana, mavi māṅsa jīva bhūta jīva lūta sanātana, sanātana, sanātana means eternal. And the Lord is also uh, described as sanātana in the eleventh chapter. So, because we have got intimate relation with the Lord, and and we are all qualitatively one, the Sanatana Dham and the Sanatana Supreme Personality and the Sanatana Living Entities, they are on the same qualitatively plane. Therefore, the whole target of Bhagavad Gita is to revive our Sanatan occupation. Or Sanatan, that is called Sanatan Dharma, or eternal occupation of the living entity. We are now temporarily engaged in different activities, and all these activities being purified. When we give up all these temporary activities, Sarva-dharmān parishtajya. Sanātam dharma, as mentioned above, that the Supreme Lord is sanātam, and a transcendental abode, which is beyond the spiritual sky, that is also sanātam. And the living entities, they are also Sanātana. So association of the Sanātana, Supreme Lord, Sanātana living entities in the Sanātana eternal abode is the ultimate aim of human form of life. The Lord is so kind upon the living entities because 
the living entities have claimed to be all sons of the Supreme Lord. This Lord declares to reclaim the conditioned souls and therefore Sanatana Dharma does not mean any sectarian process of religion. It is the eternal function of the eternal living entities in relationship with the eternal Supreme Lord. Now, so far Sanatana Dharma is concerned, it means the eternal oppression. Sipad Ramanujacharya has explained the word sanātana as the thing which has neither any beginning nor any end. And when we speak of sanātana dharma, we must take it for granted on the authority of Sipār Ramanuja-cārya that it has no beginning nor any end. The, uh, the word religion uh, is a little different from uh, sanatana dharma. Religion conveys the idea of faith. Faith may change. One may have faith in a particular process and he may change the faith afterwards and adopt another faith. But sanātana, dharma means it cannot be changed. It cannot be changed. Just like water and liquidity. Liquidity cannot be changed from water. Heat and fire. Heat cannot be changed from fire. Similarly, the eternal function of the eternal living entity, which is known as sanātana dharma, cannot be changed. It is not possible to change. We have to find out what is that eternal function of the eternal living entity. When we speak of sanātana dharma, therefore, we must take it for granted on the authority of Sipad Ramanucharya that it has no beginning nor any end. The thing which has no end, no beginning, must not be any sectarian thing or limited by any boundary. When you hold on the conference, and the Sanatana Dharma, people belonging to some of the non-eternal religious faith may wrongly consider it that we are dealing in some sectarian thing. But if we go deep into the matter and test everything in the light of modern science, it will be possible for us to see Sanatana Dharma as the business of all the people of the world, nay, all the living entities of the universe. Non-sanātana religious faith may have some beginning in the annals of the human society, but there cannot be any history of the sanātana dharma because it continues to remain with the history of the living entities. So far, living entities are concerned. We find it from the authority of the shastras. The living entities have also no birth or death. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly stated that the living entity is never born, nor does it ever die. Is eternal, indestructible, and continues to live 
after the destruction of his temporary material body. With reference to the above concept of Sanatana Dharma, we may try to understand the concept of religion from the Sanskrit root meaning of the word dharma. It means that which is constantly with the particular object. As we have already mentioned, when you speak of fire, it is concluded at the same time that there is heat and light along with the fire. Without heat and without light, there is no meaning of the word fire. Similarly, we must find out the essential part of a living being which is always companion with him. That part of constant companion of the living being is his eternal quality, and the eternal part of the living being's quality is his eternal religion. When Sanatana Goswami asked Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about the sarup, we have already discussed about the sarup of every living being. Sarup, or real constitution of the living being, the Lord replied that the constitutional position of the living being is to render service to the Supreme Personality of God. But if we analyze this part of the statement of Lord Chaitanya, we can very well see that every living being is constantly engaged in the business of rendering service to another living being. A living being serves another living being in different capacities, and by doing so, the living entity enjoys life. A lower animal serves a human being, a servant serves his master, A serves B master, B serves C master, and C serves D master, and so on. Under these circumstances, we can see that a friend serves another friend, and the mother serves the son, or the wife serves the husband, or husband serves the wife. If we go on searching in that spirit, it will be seen that there is no exception in the society of the living being where we do not find the activity of service. The politician presents his manifesto before the public and convinces voters about his service capacity. The voter also gives the politician his valuable vote on expectation that the politician will give service to the society. The shopkeeper serves the customer, and the artisan serves the capitalist. The capitalist serves his family, and the family serves the headman in terms of the eternal capacity of eternal being. In this way, we can see no living being is exempted from the practice of rendering service to other living beings, and therefore we can conclude that service is a thing which is the constant companion of the living being, and therefore it may be safely concluded that rendering of service by a living being is the eternal religion of the living being. When a man professes to belong to a particular type of faith with reference to the particular time and circumstances of birth, and thus one claims to be a Hindu, a Muslim, a Christian, Buddhist, or any other sect, and a subsect. Such designations are non sanatana A Hindu may change his faith to become a Muslim, or a Muslim may change his faith to become a Hindu or a Christian, 
etc. But in all circumstances, such change of religious faith does not allow a person to change his eternal engagement of rendering service to others. A Hindu or a Muslim or a Christian, in all circumstances, he is servant of somebody. And thus to profess a particular type of faith is not to be considered as sanatam dharma, but the constant companion of the living being that is rendering of service is the sanatam dharma. So, factually, we are related in the service relationship with the Supreme Lord. The Supreme Lord is a uh, supreme enjoyer, and we, living entities, are eternally His supreme servitors. We are created for His enjoyment. And if we, if we part, participate in that eternal enjoyment with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that makes us uh, happy, <coughs> not otherwise. Independently, as you have already explained, that independently any part of the uh, body, the hand, the uh, feet, uh, the fingers, or any part of the body, independently, cannot be happy without cooperation with the stomach. Similarly, <coughs> the living entity can never be happy uh, uh, without rendering his transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord. Now, in the Bhagavad-gītā, the worship of different demigods is not approved. It's not approved because uh, it is said in the Bhagavad-gītā, seventh chapter, twentieth verse, the Lord says, kāma-istastahitagyāna prapaddhanti anna-devataha kāma-istastahitagyāna Those who are drifted by lust, only they worship the demigods other than the Supreme Lord, Krishna. <coughs> we also may remember that when you speak of Krishna, uh, it, it is not a sectarian name. The Krishna name means the highest pleasure. It is confirmed that the Supreme Lord is the reservoir, is the storehouse of all pleasure. We are all hankering after pleasure. Anandamaya abhyasat. <coughs> the living entities or the Lord, because we are full of consciousness, therefore our consciousness is after happiness. And happiness. The Lord is also perpetually happy. And if we associate with the Lord, cooperate with Him, take part in His association, then also we become happy. The Lord descends on this mortal world to show His pastime in Vrindam, full of happiness. When Lord Sri Krishna was in Vrindavan. His activities with his uh, cowherd boy friend, with his dancers, with his friend, damsel friends, and uh, with the inhabitants of Vrindavan and his uh, occupation 
a cow herding in his childhood, and all these pastimes of Lord Krishna was full of happiness. The whole of Vrindavan, the whole population of Vrindavan was after him. They did not know, uh, except Krishna. Even Lord uh, Krishna uh, restricted his father, Nanda Maharaj, in worshipping the demigod uh, Indra, because uh, he wanted to establish that people need not worship any other demigod except the Supreme Personality of God. Because the ultimate aim of life is to return to the abode of the Supreme Lord. The abode of Lord Krishna is described in the Bhagavad Gita, 15th chapter, 6th verse, natad bhāsayati sūrya na sasāṅka na pāvakaha jadgatya na nivartante tadhyāmam paramam mama. Now, the description of that eternal sky when we speak of sky, because we have material conception of the sky, therefore we think of the sky with sun, moon, stars, like that. But the Lord says that the eternal sky, there is no need of sun. Natat bhāsayate sūrya na sasāṅka na pāvaka. Neither in that eternal sky there is need of moon. Na pāvaka means neither there is necessity of electricity or fire for illuminating because the spiritual sky is already illuminated by the uh, Brahma Jyoti. Brahma Jyoti, Yasa Prabha, the uh, rays of the Supreme above. Uh, now, in these days, when people are trying to reach other planet. It is not very difficult to understand the abode of the Supreme Lord. The abode of the Supreme Lord is in the spiritual sky and it is named as Goloka. In the Brahma Sanghita, it is very nicely described. Golokoeva nivasati akhila atma bhuta. The, the Lord also resides eternally in his abode, Goloka. Still, he is akhila atma bhuta. He can, he can be approached from here also. And, uh, the Lord that therefore comes to manifest his real form, Satchidananda Vigraha, so, so that we may not have to imagine. There is no question of imagination. The Lord's presence, by his causeless mercy, he presents himself in his Shamasundar, unfortunately, uh, uh, people with less intelligence deride at him. Avajananti mangamurha. 
because the Lord comes as one of us. And just like plays with us as a human being. Therefore we need not uh, consider that Lord is one of us. It is His omnipotency that He presents Himself with His real form before us and uh, displays His pastime, just the prototype of His abode. So that abode of Lord, there are innumerable planets also in that Brahma Jyoti, just like we have got innumerable planets floating on the sun rays. Similarly, in the Brahma Jyoti, which is emanating from the abode of the Supreme Lord, Krishna Loka, Goloka, Ananda Chinmaya Rasa Pratibhavitavi. All those planets are spiritual planets. They are Ananda Chinmaya. They are not material planets. So, the Lord says, Natat Bhāsvayati Sujya Nasasāṅkana Pāvata Jadgatyāna Nivartante Taddhāma Paramangamā. Now, anyone who can approach that spiritual sky will not be required to come back again in this material sky. So long we are in the material sky, what to speak of approaching the moon planet? The moon planet, of course, is the nearest planet, but even we approach the highest planet, which is called Brahma Loka. There also we have the same miseries of material life. I mean to say, the miseries of birth, death, old age, and diseases. No planet in the material universe is free from the four principles of material existence. The Lord therefore says in the Bhagavad-gītā, The living entities are traveling from one planet to another. It is not that we can simply go to other planets by the mechanical arrangement of the Sputnik. Anyone who desires to go to other planet, there is process. Jyanti deva brata deemaan pitrim jyanti pitribrataha. If anyone wants to go to any other planet, say moon planet, we need not try to go by the Sputnik. The Bhagavad Gita in the structure, Jyanti Deva Brata Deva, these moon planets or sun planets or the planets above these Bhuloka, they are called Sargaloka, Sargaloka, Bhuloka, Bhuvarloka, Sargaloka, they are different status of planets. So, Devaloka, they are known just like that. The Bhagavad Gita gives a very simple formula that you can go to the higher planets, Devaloka, Jyanti Deva Prata Deva, Jyanti Deva Prata Deva, Deva Prata, if we practice the process of worshipping the particular demigod, then we can go 
to that particular planet also. We can go to the sun planet even. We can go to the moon planet. We can go to the heavenly planet. But Bhagavad Gita does not uh, advise us to go to any one of these planets in the material world. Because even we go to the Brahma Loka, the highest planet, it is calculated by the modern scientist that we can reach the highest planet by traveling with Sputnik for forty thousands of years. Now, it is not possible to live forty thousands of years and reach the highest planet of this material universe. But if one devotes his life in the worshipment of the particular demigod, he can approach the particular planet uh, as it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita. Jyanti Deva Brata Deva. Pitri Jyanti Pitri Brata. Similarly, there is Pitri Lok. Similarly, one who uh, likes to approach the supreme planet, supreme planet, the supreme planet means the Krishna Loka. In the spiritual sky there are innumerable planets, Sanatan planets, eternal planets, we can never destroy any hilator. But uh, of all those spiritual planets, there is one planet, the original planet, which is called Goloka Vrindavan. So these informations are there in the Bhagavad Gita and we are given the opportunity for leaving this material world and get our eternal life and in the eternal kingdom. Now, in the fifteenth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the real picture of this material world is given. It is said that the Uddhamulam Madhusakama Satham Prahurabhyam Chandanti Yasapanani Jastang Abhida Savidavit. Now this material world is described in the fifteenth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita as a tree which has got its root upward, urdhamulam. Have you experienced of any tree which has its root upwards? We have got this experience of a tree root upwards by reflection. If we stand on the bank of a river or any reservoir of water, we can see that the tree on the bank of the reservoir of water is reflected in the water as drunk downwards and the root upwards. So this material world is practically a, a reflection of the spiritual world, just like the reflection of the tree on the bank of a reservoir of water is seen downward. And similarly, this material world, it is called shadow. Shadow. As, uh, as 
as isn't it sad all there cannot be any reality but at the same time from this sad all we can understand that there is reality 